0: Hello everyone across the Gateway family, hope you're well and thanks for joining me today for the last in our preaching series entitled Restless. Seeking to answer the question, how in our day do we find the rest and peace that Jesus offers? And what great timing it's been to look at that question. Today we're going to wrap the series up looking at slowing not a spiritual discipline in the traditional sense, but actually something that I believe is essential if we're really to learn what it means to be yoked to Jesus and to apprentice under him. And perhaps one of the particular needs of our day in applying the Jesus way to our lives. We're at a really interesting moment as we end this series, aren't we? It's 10 weeks since lockdown began In some ways, there's been an enforced slowing of our lives. I realize not for everyone, but certainly of our economy and many parts of our society, of the uh, activities and pursuits that we're able to take part in and of our ability to plan and organize and set uh, the course for our lives. And the question on uh, on many of our lips right now as as slowly things start to open up again, what will life be like? What will be the latest new normal and what will that turn out to be in the days ahead? A great moment and a rare moment, I believe, to talk about slowing. To stop and review what we want life to look like in the future. How we want to shape things going forward. What we want there to be more of and less of. Of course, right now you'll be bombarded from all sides with things that you should be doing or shouldn't be doing as lockdown eases. Here's one text I received as I was writing this. Pick up some good habits during lockdown, like a mantra curry takeaway every week. I don't know if you've done that. I had an email the other day from Boutique Retreats. This one's actually entitled The Art of Slowing Down. This slowdown of the world is the perfect time to view our everyday existence from a new perspective. Okay, I'm with you so far. Taking time for those quiet moments and allowing yourself to daydream might just be the escapism you crave. So savor that first sip of freshly brewed coffee. Indulge in the simple pleasure of a slow moment and explore the magic of these heavenly huger interiors currently inspiring us. Oh, is that it? I'm not sure anyone's going on any boutique retreats right now anyway. I was meaning something a little different from that. And I want us to look today at an amazing section of Isaiah's prophecy. So Isaiah chapter 30. It comes at a moment of crisis for the nation of Israel, God's people. They're certainly in a tight corner. They're facing a major threat uh, from the superpower of the day, Assyria. And this gives a great picture, I believe, of what it looks like for the people of God to walk with their Lord when the world around them is in turmoil. And they're surrounded by people running after all sorts of other things. The context is that God's people are sorely tempted to turn to Egypt for their help, to form an alliance without consulting the Lord. Now, Egypt, don't forget, is the place from which God has miraculously rescued them. And the Lord has demonstrated his superiority over Egypt and all its gods at the Exodus. I'd encourage you to read the whole of chapter 30 at some point. But for now, we're going to begin at verse 15. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses, representing Egypt's strength, by the way. Therefore, you will flee. You said, we'll ride off on swift horses. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. A thousand will flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you will all flee away. Till you're left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a banner on a hill. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious will he be when you cry for help? As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Then you will desecrate your idols overlaid with silver and your images covered with gold. You will throw them away like a menstrual cloth and say to them, away with you. He will also send you rain for the seed you sow in the ground and the food that comes from the land will be rich and plentiful. Hopefully, crisis moments bring important things into focus again for us. So firstly, let this crisis bring to the fore again what it means to be the people of God. Look at verse 19. This is a tale of three cities, if you like. The prophet addresses God's people as people of Zion who live in Jerusalem. They're people whose home is somewhere else. In Zion, the city of God, the future kingdom of God but they live right now in Jerusalem and their temptation is to go back to the place that God has rescued them from, to Egypt. Likewise, the message to you and me right now, people of Zion, people of God's kingdom who happen to be living in Swindon right now, don't be tempted to form alliance with Egypt. Here's the warning, don't look just the same as the people from, whom, uh, um, from amongst whom God has rescued you, with the same priorities and the same values as the culture around you, relying on the same things to sustain you and give you strength. Secondly, let this crisis bring to the fore again what salvation looks like. So look at verse 15. Isaiah says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Now, we always knew that salvation was about repentance and faith, but hang on, right in the middle here of the salvation package is rest and quietness. You see, the nature of salvation is not just that we repent, not just that we change some obvious sinful behaviors, but that we find our rest in God, that we stop running around after things we thought might satisfy that we acknowledge that we are not really in control, that we don't have all the answers, that it's not by being strong and independent that we make life work. The source of our strength as a people of God is that we stop and are quiet long enough that we might really trust and rely on God. Blessing comes, as we read in verse 18, from waiting for God. We've got used to doing a lot more waiting these days, haven't we? I feel like I've stood in so many queues over the last few weeks. I think being queue over the bank holiday weekend was probably the low point. And there are various ways in which we can react to queuing. We can give up, we can turn around and go home. We can try to beat the system, find the best time, the optimum time to come and beat the queue, or we can wait. And waiting often takes a change of mindset, don't you think? Me and my daughter Eve have got into the habit of a regular weekend shopping trip to Asda, only to get the extra bits, obviously. Um, But do you know what? I've changed my mindset on queuing in those times. I just enjoy those times now. They've become part of our routine. They've become about hanging out together. Plus, where would I be without Eve to check that I'm always two meters apart from everybody else? The psalmist says this in Psalm 130, verse 5 I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. I believe that it's time to learn to wait for God and to let our souls find their hope in his promises. What happens when we wait for God? What happens when we stop trying to work everything out and wait for the Lord? Well, according to Isaiah, various places through his prophecy. First of all, Isaiah 40 those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Again, Isaiah 49 those who wait for me shall not be put to shame. And Isaiah 64, no eye has seen a God beside thee who works for those who wait for him. If we really want to make this a reality, this waiting for God, we're going to need to slow down, aren't we? There often just hasn't been space in our diaries, but also in our mindsets to be quiet and to wait for God. Well, that's my experience. I I don't know about you. In the words of the prophet, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. What about me? What about you? What's our reaction to this? We have to make some very deliberate choices, I believe. It means some other stuff will have to go. But I believe that we have an opportunity. I believe that we're at a moment in history where God is inviting us, God is calling us to make some of these changes, to slow down in this way. And in the sovereignty of God, we have a unique opportunity, not something of our own doing, maybe not something that we're comfortable with. We might be fighting against it, in fact, But the enforced slowing that many of us have experienced over recent weeks can, I believe, be a kickstart to make some changes, to examine our hearts, to see whether there are things in life other than Jesus on which we are relying. There are important decisions to be made. We need to work out which things that have fallen by the wayside in these last few months need to stay that way. We need to work out which new things should stay. And there may be other things that God speaks to us today or in the coming days, if we will give God permission to tell us how he wants our lives to look different as we move into this new era. I love what Phil Ayers wrote on the Gateway Community group um, a couple of weeks back. He said this about um, some stuff that God had been speaking to him about. God is saying That there are some parts of our old routine which are no longer serving a useful purpose. And so they need to be discarded in the same way as a contaminated item. It's been an incredible privilege over the last 10 days or so to be part of the Thy Kingdom Come prayer initiative, to join in prayer with other Christians from all around the world, 178 countries at the last count and also joining with many other country, many other churches around Swindon to pray regularly through these last 10 days, to cry out to God between Ascension Day and Pentecost Sunday today, to cry out, Jesus, pour out your spirit again in our day. Jesus, let your kingdom come. And it's been so exciting to be a part of it, And the sense of God on the move across his church has been palpable. For sure, the church of God is being awakened, being prepared for what is to come. I believe there's a gearing up, if you like, amongst the people of God. But I'm convinced that one of the key ways in which we gear up is, in fact, by slowing down. Slow down to be with him and to hear his voice. Slow down enough to hear his perspective on our circumstance before we rush to our own conclusions and solutions. Slow down to remember the ways that he's been faithful to us in the past. Slow down enough to let the creation around us convince our souls again of his majesty and his power. Slow down simply to thank him that he's with us and that he never left us and he's been with us all day. Slow down enough to engage with and to listen to the people that he brings across our path. Slow down so that we have space enough in our schedules for him to change our plans. Slow down enough that his word might become the main thing that shapes our thinking. Slow down to rest Confident that he is our provider and to sleep knowing that he never does. This is going to be a fight because by and large it goes against the grain of our culture. Most of the external pressures that we're under are trying to speed us up. We're each going to need to choose the areas where God wants us to go to battle on this stuff. John Mark Comer in the book Uh, that we've been looking at, the ruthless elimination of hurry, picks his list of practices for slowing. You and I will need to find what works for us. Here's some that I've adopted over the last little while and feel like I'm just starting to see the difference. So try to have a long walk once a week to declutter my mind, to pour it out to God and to listen to what he's saying talk to God first thing in the morning and last thing at night. Cut down TV time, pick a few good things to watch and only turn on the TV for them. Limit when I read the news and be particularly careful what I read last thing at night. And then there are one or two things which are new to me in lockdown and I'd really like to try and keep them. So don't get stressed by queuing. Read a psalm every day, preferably the first thing I read in the day. Join with others to pray for half an hour in the morning. Deliberately make time to talk with my neighbours. Be more in touch with my family and pray for them regularly. And then there's some things that I've read in the book and I really like them. and I'd love to build them in if I can. Leave more time than I need to get somewhere stop laughing helen parent my phone that's a great one isn't it put it to bed early and make it sleep in in the morning have set times for looking at emails what is god speaking to you about the specifics are not really the point slowing down to be present and to live in each moment that's the point in the words of cs lewis the present is the point at which time touches eternity. Let's allow God in to more of those points and let's see what he will do. Also, just to say, please, let's not make any of this our new try harder action plan. This has to be a work of the spirit as we surrender to what God wants to do with us in this new era. And as we read in Isaiah 30 a moment ago, how gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you, verse 19. And then back in verse 18, the Lord rises to show you compassion. In other words, he's on tiptoes waiting to help you with this stuff. It's like he's waiting for us to wait for him. Look at what else is in store for those who wait for the Lord. So verse 20 and 21, it says that God will be our guide. We'll hear that voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk in it. And then verse 23 onwards, it says, God will be our abundant provision and we'll see more of his kingdom come. So let's wait for him. Let's slow down to wait for him. And as we finish this series, I want to finish with the prayer of Sir Francis Drake. Disturb us, Lord. And thanks, Catherine Coombs, for this one. I believe that these days, these are days when God would disturb us. Disturb our established and sometimes restrictive patterns of life that we might discover and step into the more of his kingdom as we wait for him, as we're present with him in the moment, as we invite him, as we listen for his voice. What is God saying to you? What will you do with this moment of opportunity that we find ourselves in? Let's pray. Disturb us, Lord, when we are too pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we dream too little, when we arrive safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of a new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wilder seas where storms will show your mastery, where losing sight of land, we shall find the stars. We ask you, Lord, to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push back the future in strength, courage, hope and love. This we ask in the name of our captain, who is Jesus Christ. And as we've been praying with Christians across this great town and across the world, Lord, let your kingdom come in these days. Lord, slow us down. Cause us to wait for you. Break in on our circumstances, Lord. Come, we pray. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in our day. Raise up your church. Awaken us, Father, we pray.